Welcome to the Daily Creed, where we help you break your limited beliefs that are holding you back from being a personal and professional success when you master the five character traits of commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. You will have the power to dominate your industry and live the life you desire. And now, helping you to grow in every aspect of your life, your host, J.R. Spear. J.R. Spear. J.R. Spear. Welcome everyone to another episode on our Daily Creep Podcast Show. Today we have Kim Curtis, and she's committed to helping create a new paradigm with money for people from all walks of life around the world to provide access to and inspire creativity around money, prosperity, abundance. And her mission is to reveal life's best kept secrets for the mastery of money. Kim is considered among the world's foremost experts in building wealth consciousness. She has directly worked with thought leaders, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and countless individuals looking to create an impact and flourishing, prosperous life. Her, it is her experience that helps people change the way they think about money and life. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate that introduction. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a mouthful, but you know, you got a lot of credentials and things that people need to hear. So the, the big question I like to always ask everyone when they come to the show is, what are you doing to make an impact in this world? You start out big. I love it. I love it. Go big or go home. So, so I am a CEO of a wealth management firm in Denver, Colorado. And so what I do that creates an impact is when we think about money, money for most people is such a difficult conversation and couples and entrepreneurs. So if you think about the ability to, to take away that frenetic nature around money and put it down as a foundation so that you can kind of breathe and get some air, then all of a sudden be able to have a game plan so that you're in control of money and money is not in control of you. So as a result of that, I think I changed generations. I think I changed couples' relationships around money, that they're finally on the same page. Yeah. I think that as a result of that, that they're teaching their children uh, different things around money. Yeah, and hopefully that's a generational shift. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. So when it comes to the, the wealth management and firm, I love that, that you're helping families be able to do that. And exactly what you just said, changing the, the generational shift, because you know, if you, people believe like if, if you grow up poor, that we have to be poor and that's not necessarily the mindset that has to be, and they can definitely break from it, but the environment is what changes everything as well. And so like, if you want to be poor, then hang around poor people. You want to be rich, hang around rich people. And so same thing with your family. Sometimes it's hard to break away from our family of, uh, of the environment that we're in to be able to step into the God-given purpose that we have for our lives. And that, that goes on to it. So when it comes to your wealth management firm, why don't you break down a little bit, like say you're working with a family or a small business owner right now, why don't you break down some of the steps that you find or that you do first when you, whenever it comes to helping your clients? You know, I, I, I absolutely want to do that. Can I share a background based on what you've just shared, which I yeah. loved? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, JR, because I grew up, when I was 14, my parents got divorced and my mom got full custody of three, te three teenage girls. And so she applied for and received government-assisted lunches. So I had a little red ticket that I would have to hand to that cashier. And the shame around that and unworthiness and not enoughness that that's who you are label. Mm. Uh, and I think of listeners that may have a similar story or a story of shame or not enoughness or unworthiness. And as a result of that, to see where I am today, 
there was something that happened, but it, but it, but it actually, I was lucky enough that it happened to be a gift. Yeah. But what happened to me is I, my mom had a value with her three daughters to make sure you get your education because no one can take it away from you after her being divorced and uneducated and not having any employable skills. So I did, I went to undergrad and went to college, went to law school and oh. completely defaulted on my school loans. I had no business having that large of a debt. And in today's dollars, it was about $92,000. Hmm. So the impact of that on my credit score, no knowledge. I was completely unconscious around money. And I think it's easy for us to show up in the world, not necessarily being conscious of what we're putting out there around money. And so sometimes how we show up could be your great grandparents' money mindset, not your own in terms of being a tightwad or whatever. And then you show up in life and you're thinking, why am I not getting through to this? Yeah. And to really unpack what are those stories that were in your family? Did your family talk about money? Uh, what are your opinions around money? Because we all have receptors. It's visceral. Money is visceral. And these receptors help us get a sense of what our money story is. Because if you are, um, when you see, I, I think of my son, when he sees a sports car, like he like lights up where some people might think who would spend that much money for a Lamborghini? You know, that's crazy. But for him, that's like accomplishment mm. or someone on the street asking for money. Do you feel bad or do you cross the street? Some of those are, are part of your receptors that help you understand where you may be to see if you have roadblocks around it. So I wanted to share that because when I think of where I was, um, I had a, someone give me a thousand dollar gift on my school loan debt anonymously. And I had no idea. Uh, I was, you know, the fact that I even opened my bill in itself was a big deal. So when I did that, because it was anonymous, I couldn't go to them and say, what do you want from me? Or why me? I really had to ask those questions to myself. And I think, JR, that's why it's important in this conversation before we talk about process is limiting beliefs and what those are. Because for me, it was, wow, someone believed in me. What is it that they believe in? Who am I and who do I want to be? And I have to tell you, JR, it was like almost like a snap that that I felt this like this immense, um, actually when it gets down to it is joy, but it really came from self-respect. Like all of a sudden I was like, wait, I'm in control of these decisions. I'm in control of my outcomes. What story am I going to tell myself and how will it be different? Now, obviously it was a series of years before I got to where I am today. But it was intentional moving forward and being awake around money that got me from that point as a teenager, defaulting on my college loans to being a CEO of a multi-million dollar wealth management firm. So yeah. let's talk about process. <laughs> well, well, before you go into processes, because you bring up some other good yeah. points, because you had a you had a shift in your in your life where someone invested in you, gave you a sense of belief and and that gift, but you didn't grow up with your mom having that that be able to teach you about the money was, and you found it later on of how to actually overcome it. Now, how, what are you doing different from your upbringing to teach your kids and your family? Mm. Very first thing, JR, is having a conversation at the dinner table around money. Mm. Um, not having it be um, taboo. It's so weird. We talk about things way more weird, which we all know what those are. You know, oftentimes, because couples argue about it, besides money, there's that other topic out there and parenting. Those are the three things uh, that couples argue about. Uh, money, sex, and parenting. But if we had normal conversations about even how much do we make or tell me, mom, dad, 
what's the house mortgage cost? Do you have a mortgage? Having those conversations with your children so that they start to feel comfortable around money and understand it. And that really does start with an allowance, but the allowance is for chores, not just being a member of the family. And then with that allowance, you also can teach giving and charitable giving. So there's lots of different habits that you can create inside of a household to help your children have a better start than perhaps mine. Yeah, it's interesting you bring this up. And I know that we're kind of getting off target, but it's it's interesting to me to be talking about this because it, it's very relevant in, in my life. Because me, I grew up with, uh, you know, family thinking bankruptcy is okay. And so they, you know, from multiple sides of my family that that's filed bankruptcy, that you jump around from house to house and getting vehicles evicted growing up and, and different stuff like that. So money was it was uh, never talked about for us and we we never had a whole lot of it. But I will say, I never felt like that we were poor because it would never talk about. Us. So I always had everything I wanted. My mom always worked her butt off to making sure that we had great holidays, great Christmases. I played like ice hockey. I did football. I did martial arts my whole life. And so I did all these things. I didn't realize the sacrifices that she took to be able to get there and realize she was being a slave to everything she did to make sure that we had the best. But yet she's struggling, you know, pretty much selling off her left arm to be able to make sure that me and four of my sisters as a single parent got what we, what we wanted. And, it, it, you know, I, I commend her on that because I, I feel like I had a very good upbringing in that sense where I still had fun and kids and stuff. Going back to like the government assistance for school, I had that free ticket for lunches every day in school. I was never ashamed by it because I didn't really know. I mean, honestly, where I went to as a public school. I felt like a lot of, almost all the kids had it, but it wasn't the truth. I just <laughs> saw people it's like, okay, you go up and give your money. And, and it wasn't like shame. I just didn't know any different, but I didn't know different because it was never talked about. It was always like hidden from us. And then we didn't know how we got it. We just always had, it, it was always expected uh, that it's like, okay, we, we want to go somewhere. We went and did it. We want some food. We, we always had food. It wasn't like best quality food, but I didn't know the difference. You know, I had the things that we enjoyed because it was what we had growing up and you know, the, those conversations around money. And one thing that you said that was really powerful right now that I think I need to start shifting is our kids need to start feeling comfortable around money. Because now in my marriage, I struggle talking about money, even with my wife, like keeping her involved, what's going on, family budget, or where are we on the bills? Like she's totally disconnected from a lot. And I try to bring her in, but when we bring her in, then there's the arguments, there's the fights. It's like, why are you spending money here? Why are you spending money there? Why aren't you watching? But mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not her fault because she just doesn't know because I don't talk about it. There's no communication there. And, but even more so with her, it's a lot with our kids because all they see is like, okay, they want something from the store. So they're like, daddy, well, why can't you just go buy it? And yeah, I can go buy it mm-hmm. because of the position that I'm in, but they just think that it it just happens. <laughs> that You want it, you go get it. They don't really know the sacrifices <laughs> we take to, to be able to get it. But yeah, I want I wanted to hit on a little bit about what you just talked about on that, about how do you start mm-hmm. those conversations at the dinner table? Like, what are some prompting mm. questions? What are some things that you can say or do to help bring and keep the family involved or at least in the knowing so you bring that comfort? So I think yes. It's so you mentioned so many things, JR, but it actually starts with the couple, you and your and your spouse. Yeah. Because oftentimes what we have seen is that women may be in charge of the budgeting and men are in charge of the investing. And neither of them talk and they have disparate (laughs) objectives. Um, And oftentimes the guys don't even know what they're doing as it relates to investing, but they feel like it's their job. And so to be on the same page and bring each other into those conversations collectively, then you both feel the same weight when it gets tough sometimes. 
And so I think right out of the gate, you both need to be on the same path, the same track you're running on so that everyone knows the amount that's coming in and going out. So they're both responsible for whatever that is and have a dollar amount that you could spend without having to talk to the other. That's the first. The second with children, I would say that it, it that it probably starts in the best. This is what we did with our kids is uh, taking a vacation. It was like, I grew up never going to Disney World. That was not part of I our, still never been world. to Disney World. <laughs> and that's kind of like the American dream, so to speak, for some. Um, I was but at least where I went to school. Beach. Wow. It's a, I was I was seven. I was this is funny. I love this conversation. I was 19 before I flew on a plane. Yeah, I was 17 before I went on a plane. It was on a missions trip, and that's when I saw the beach for the first time. So it was a missions trip with my was <laughs> tied to a plane trip. Yeah. So that's we amazing. Went on a trip that's to California from St. Louis. Then we went to Mexico, but that was my first time ever seeing the beach. Our family vacations was going camping yeah. on a float trip. That's it. Or visiting relatives. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, so get a piggy bank and, and do a collective conversation with the family about, we're going to take this trip three years from now and we need to save for it. And this is how much we think it is. Well, or have them help depending on their age. Don't you have like, do you have a six-year-old and two other children? I do. You're pretty good at that. Yeah, I got a six-year-old, a five-year-old. Well, my <laughs> six-year-old is seven in April. Then I have a five-year-old, and then I have a two-year-old, and then I have a baby on the way and due in July. Congratulations. Congratulations. So they may be a little too young for that conversation, but as they get, the six-year-old certainly ready to be in that conversation, and even your five-year-old daughter, is to say, how much do we think it's going to cost and to begin saving? And even if it's a little thing for them, that they put it in. Oh, we got this extra win on money. Let's put it in to the piggy bank and allow them to be a part of what it takes to take that trip. And then when they take it, they feel really, really special. And they know that it, it takes work to get to that, to make it happen versus just poof, we can do it. Yeah. I would think that's the very first step. And then also making sure that money conversations are tied to your family values. Hmm. Every family should have like a family mission statement. Uh, and and what's important to the family and the family behavior. So when I have two children, they're now, my daughter just turned 25 yesterday, uh, and our son who's 22, is back in the day when they were like your kid's age and kind of being disruptive or naughty, we would take them back into their bedroom and point to the family mission statement. And it had like habits. We will be kind. We'll say please and thank yous. You know, appropriate for the for the five-year-old person, you know, like kindergarten. And it would be like, we would repeat them in their behavior. What you just did to your sister is that part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And that stems into money conversations as well. But being really clear as a couple, having a very clear family mission statement, getting buy-in from them as they grow up, and then going back to it over and over again. So when you do talk about money, it can go back to your family value statement. Yeah. This is why we do this around money. This is why we give uh, to others in need. This is why we do this. And so it's all tied together in a big overall bigger conversation than just dollars and cents. Because yeah. money has no value. Yeah. It's only the value that we give it. Mm. So it's important for the entrepreneurs who are listening that if money has no value and it's only the value that we give it, then what ideas do we have for it to make it of use to the world? And one of the things I always say is that, you know, it's not that you need money. Money needs you. Mm. It's not that we as entrepreneurs, oh, I need more money. Need no, money needs you 
to be of something to make a difference in the world through your ideas and your businesses and how you show up with your clients or prospects. So I grew up in the Buffalo area, JR. Uh, so Buffalo is in New York State and it straddles the Canadian border. And right between that Canadian border and New York is Niagara Falls. And that beautiful Niagara Falls provides electricity to a large part of New York State. Hmm. But it wouldn't be able to do any of that if it weren't for the power plants that lined the banks of that falls. Money is similar in the same way. Money has no power unless you give it in terms of how to use that money. So the falls has no power except for the bank, the power plants that support its banks. Money has no power except for the ideas you give it to become of use to the world. Mm. And if you understand that, then all of a sudden money doesn't seem so elusive because as business owners, we have a lot of ideas and many of them are not that good, but mm. we have more and more and more. And it's so much easier than to fail forward when we know that ideas are abundant. And if ideas are abundant, then ultimately money will be too. Yeah. That's a big concept. But if you can get to that concept, um, all of a sudden money does find you and your business ultimately does thrive. Mm. You said a powerful statement saying money is tied to family values and also having a family mission. And I believe my, my thought is like, there's a lot of families out there that don't really take the time to put together a family mission. How would you if, you, if you were talking to a family right now, an entrepreneur, I mean, it's no different than learning how to put the mission together for your business and learn it and put it together your family. But if you were going to be working with the family and uh, other people on how to create that family mission, what's like a good framework or start that they can do to help put that together? Yeah, you know, you could get the values exercises online and you could each do you do one and your spouse does one and then you come to the table on what are the joint ones that will be important as a collective unit. Because hmm. it may not, you know, obviously you will have your own individual values and they'll have their individual values. But as a family, that looks a little different. And so um, I would just get online and do a values exercise, bring it together, negotiate what those top five values are of your family, and then use that to then build out what that mission statement looks like in terms of why you're here as a collective why your children, what is their bigger vision in the world? I, I think that you may have said that you called your son, you call your son champ. Oh yeah. Well, that's part of some, <laughs> that's part of some of those things that you want to bring to the table for your children is who do you want them to be? What vision do you want them to see so that they can be better? Cause they can, you know, if they see what you see in them, then their life will be a lot easier. Yeah. And as we get older, our parents, pass on. And it's like, who's our cheerleader now? Who is the person that's going to make us hang in there? And obviously we have to, we have to bring that into ourselves. So if we could do that with our children through a family mission statement and then guide them in that through behavior, then ultimately uh, I think we will create a better generation. Yeah. And remember, I'll, I forget where I read this, but I do believe it's true that they say each generation is smarter than the generation before it. It should be. And yeah. when I read that, Huh? I said it should be. We're supposed to be teaching. That's them. right. When, when I read it, I was thinking of my mom and dad, like, darn right. I am so much smarter than them. And then I went, because oh, I I had little kids at the time. I wasn't thinking that they're smarter than me at the time. It was so profound to understand that the consciousness of the world, that they come in smarter, was fascinating to understand. So they already get some of this that we're struggling to figure out how to do. 
Yeah, it's, it's it's so true. Like, I mean, I look at my my six year old and he's a genius. I mean, gosh, I'm learning something from him every day. Like you can go talk to him about astronauts, about trucks, about anything. And like he just soaks up information. And if he doesn't know it, he'll ask you about it. And like you he'll see a pipe hanging out of the ground outside going for a walk. It's like, well, daddy, why is this pipe hanging out of the ground? What is it used for? Where does it feed it to? What is it like all these different stuff? And I'm like, shoot, I don't even know all these answers. But I guess we gotta go go to Google <laughs> University and figure this out. But once you tell him once, he knows it and he learns it. And it's funny because when he, uh, a couple of years ago, when he was in preschool, one of the, his his friends even today says uh, it was something done in the class. And the teacher told us they were like the his friend Maddox was like, well, someone didn't know the answer. He goes, well, go ask Jameson because he knows everything. So <laughs> it's like he, he just soaks it up. But it, it's so true about like the younger generation, just being able to the things that we learn just passes down to them. And it keeps going better and better from, from there. But I, I'm really fascinated by this topic and just like the the money and how it revolves around not even just our business, but our family and where it all starts. Because how you how you treat your family, how, I mean, everything starts in leadership. How you lead your family is how you're going to lead your business and how you're going to be able to lead other people and yourself. And we, oh, we, JR, we're, we're in you hit on it. You hit on a couple of awesome points right there. Um, one of the things that I say a lot is how you do money is how you do life. Yeah. If your head is in the sand on money, your head is in the sand somewhere else in life. And yeah. so similar for you with leadership, for me, it's money. And to unpack that will be very important. Yeah, that's a powerful statement right there. How you do money is how you do life. That's really cool. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> yeah, go for it. And I don't know if Google University is going to help you anymore. I think it may be chat GPT with oh my artificial gosh, I'm intelligence. Using that for everything. Chat GPT, I'm like <laughs> using to write everything, even, even to find the best movie on Netflix to watch with my wife. This is like, that's good. Yeah. I, I use chat GPT with a client today and we were trying to be like, Hey, who are the best referral partners for this type of business that she does? And then it popped out like 10, 15, 20 different top things. And it gave the reasons why for every single one of those people. And I was like, wow, this would have taken me like a week to try to figure out on my own to do with it. And the reasons why they'd be good, like referral partners, chat GPT is changing the world. AI is changing the world. But the one thing that AI will not do is the emotion. So will those, those that are scared and that they're going to lose their jobs because of AI, will never be able to replace the emotion in the person that that's delivering it. Although we can ask it to be a little more vulnerable in the way it expresses itself. It but true. you're absolutely right. I had to write my bio. Part of it. I had to write my bio, <laughs> and it was actually dead on with it. I put down my, my what I wanted to do in this voice, and here's all my credentials, and it like did it to the T. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like this long page bio. I was like, this is this is crazy. Better language when I would use. So that. all the entrepreneurs listening to us, take note, take yeah. note, and dive into that if you haven't yet in terms of artificial inte- intelligence, because every industry is being disrupted, and our ability mm-hmm. to understand that that's our new normal, and so we need to be agile and resilient and grit, uh, is really really important because exponentially, what we just discovered in December with AI, imagine five years from now, imagine with our children a decade from now what life will look like. Yeah. So flexibility, agility, and uh, grit. Yeah, learning, learning how to use it for our advantage is what we want to do because we don't want it to replace everything. We just want to know how it can enhance it. And yeah, and, for the greater good it has to be for the greater good. Yeah. 100%. There's always bad actors, but ultimately yeah. we have the, we have the ability to direct it to good. That is so true. So let's let's dive into uh, a couple key points of your process. I know we talk a lot sure. about family, even though I, I know that's like a really, really important topic. 
But let's go into family and entrepreneurship and money. Like if you were getting a client for the first time and you're saying, hey, this is the first step that we need to do when it comes to money so it can help increase our growth. Actually, let's hit on this topic. Uh, probably to throwing a curveball at you. How do we get our money to work for us? Well, we kind of answered that. I know that's a cheap out, but to have your money work for you is having it tied to your rudder when your rudder is your values. I mean, that's how you get money to work for you and to know that money is looking for you. So if you know that money is looking for you, what ideas do you have for it? Hmm. And if I and if you have a lot of innovative, creative, unleashing your ideas, then money will find you. But let me take that a step back. So people come to our firm uh, because they want their money managed. So they've already saved enough uh, that, that they want to look for an outside source. Because one of the number one things in terms of problems or concerns that people have is that they don't have enough or they'll lose it or scarcity. So because that not having enough is a big fear, that's usually why they would come to a firm like ours. Hmm. So if we had like a pyramid and you almost think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So the bottom is food, clothing, shelter, and the top is self-actualization. Well, those four points in that pyramid are different for us. So instead of food, clothing, shelter, it's managing money. That's why they come to us. Next on that four tier is um, achieving your goals, retirement objective, college funding, uh, caring for aging parents, all the things that are important that or buying a house uh, that, that you would have in terms of achievement of your goals. But for our firm, it's primarily retirement. Hmm. And then above that is lifestyle. So if you combine managing money to a financial plan, goal achievement, then you can get to lifestyle because all of a sudden you know you have enough. And when you know you have enough, then you can live the life that you want. And you have peace of mind, which oftentimes they don't have before they come to us, that they could actually for the first time breathe. Because, you know, as, as worker bees and entrepreneurs, like we're on a hamster wheel, like we're, you know, making it happen. Hopefully we're saving for retirement and, and it's frenetic. But if you have a place to breathe, the pinnacle of that triangle is impact. Or for you, you may like the word legacy. Mm. So imagine if you have peace of mind that you finally can do the things that matter to you, which is your purpose and your passion, after like 30 or 40 years of work, or maybe if you're lucky enough younger to be able to get to that place on the pyramid, then what would you do? And how would you make a difference? And that's what we do with our clients that come in. We get them so that they actually have room to breathe at the top of that pyramid so that they could focus on their ideal life and perfect calendar and how that impacts the world. So I had a pretty cool job that that's what I get to do every day with people I love and enjoy. And oftentimes it's I get to do their hobbies, which is really fun. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a chance to do it, whether it's riding a horse or sailing on a sailboat, riding a Harley Davidson. That one was fun. <laughs> so, so we're, we're as they live their dreams. That, that, is, that is really cool. But like when when someone is, is listening to this and they're like, man, I'm just not in that place to hire someone to get help. I mean, where, mm-hmm. where's a good place to even start when it comes to wealth management? I love that. I, I think what's happening as ind- every industry is changing, there are hourly certified financial planners out there, CFP, certified financial planners that you can hire to just maybe you and your spouse once a year for an hour, get a snapshot. Yeah. And that would be the best use of money if you were to spend money. It's kind of like if you have a CPA or a tax preparer as a business owner, that's probably one of your number one things is to, because we don't know what we don't know. 
So a CPA is usually one of those big first hires for you to have enormous success in your business. The next would be a certified financial planner. Um, and the organization, we could put it in the show notes, uh, but NAFA, N-A-P-F-A, N-A-P-F-A, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, .org, NAFA.org is where you can get a fee uh, hourly financial advisors that are a fiduciary to you versus someone trying to sell you something. Mm. And also, JR, we could put in the show notes, I would love to give away a free guide on the 10 laws of money every investor should know. It's an excellent piece. And uh, they could get that. Uh, your listeners can get it at financialliteracypress.com. Financialliteracypress.com. And you can get the 10 laws of money every investor should know. That's really cool. Why don't we hit on a couple of those uh, 10 laws? You don't need to go through all of them, but what are, the, what are some of the big ones or maybe hit on like one to three of them or something like that? Yeah, I, I think the biggest one, especially right now, uh, with what's going on in the headlines as it relates to banks and other things, uh, the uncertainty of the capital markets right now is big and the inflation and interest rate hikes with the Federal Reserve. I think the number one thing is that we tend to mess with our money and touch it. When if we did globally diversified, low cost indexed funds, globally diversified, low cost indexed type of funds, and once a year we rebalanced it to our original, whatever that risk tolerance is, let's say the risk tolerance is 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds or equities, fixed income. And then you mix some internationals and some other things. But you could get what that mix looks like online and you didn't touch it regardless of the headlines, regardless of what's going on with banks, regardless of interest rate hikes. And you just let it ebb and flow just like nature and not try to get out or get in or have concerns uh, I would say that's the number one thing that it's not that the capital markets that fail, it's investors' behavior that fails. Mm. So that is so important to understand. We think we need to be proactive and get in there and do things when that is quite the opposite. And data uh, research uh, has said that women actually tend to be better investors than men because they're not so hands-on and they kind of put it at bay a little bit. And so they're less likely to make changes when they have fear mm. or uh, scarcity or greed on the other end. Greed on the, you know, fear in one, greed on the other. Those are the two emotional spectrums. Yeah. And if people did that, they would probably have 2% more in their pocket than trying to outguess or outmaneuver or look for a hot stock that's sexy. Money investing should not be sexy. There's nothing about it that should be interesting. Mm. Now there, that. A lot of our list, a lot of your listeners right now are going, what? <laughs> yeah. that, 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 Especially after the whole cryptocurrency conversations that we've had over the last five years. You know, I don't, I don't do any cryptocurrency and some people tell me that I, I'm stupid for not doing it, but I can, I can name a lot of people that got hacked and lost a lot of money in crypto. And to me, that's just too, too risky for me to want to invest in. Now I could be stupid. You may think something different, but I just, I haven't tapped into that. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I, as a matter of fact, that's a great family conversation. Um, I bought Bitcoin with my son sitting next to me when he was probably 13. And he saw me do it for $500, one Bitcoin. Yeah. And so that's been fun, but that's not quite the lesson I want to share with him that it could be worth this. But it was just an experiment of, okay, let's see what this is all about. People are talking about it. Let's buy it. And see what happens. And so things, that's another way 
As I to, won Bitcoin's um, worth help how your much children. Right <laughs> Pardon me? I won Bitcoin's worth how much right now, man? That's if you still Yeah, it's it's probably twenty thousand, maybe a little more today. Yeah, that's awesome. Hopefully it was as high as sixty thousand. Yeah. But see, that's fun to talk about, but that's not how you make money. That's not how you make money. Trust me. Your businesses are worth more than anything and to focus on your businesses. So ultimately someday you can sell it. Yeah. That's really where wealth creation is made in the United States mm. is if you can't sell your business, then you've just created a job and it's a lot harder than if you worked for someone else. So yeah. if you create a business that ultimately you can sell, that is the path to wealth creation. Mm. And then once you have it is when people come to my firm. That's really good. Very cool. Well, let's uh, let's kind of end with our last question right now. We're asking, uh, you know, the same question I ask everyone when they come on our show is, what is your creed? Meaning, what is the one thing that you're most committed to? That you be resilient even through the most difficult times, showing up every day, giving your best, and having the emotional and physical discipline to complete your mission. So, Kim, what is your I creed? Love that. I love that. I would have to say um, it's self-accountability because I think success in life really comes down to uh, and if everyone understood this, that we're 100% responsible for the outcomes in our life. Events happen that we have no control over, but we do have control over our response to those events, mm. which determines our outcome. So if you knew that you had control over the response to whatever the events that occur, whether it's the red ticket or the bankruptcies, that allowed for a different outcome that worked in your favor for success. So no blaming, no complaining. Uh, no excuses. And once you understand that you're ultimately responsible, not the capital markets, not the government, not your family for how you showed up or your parents, that it's ultimately up to you. Then, uh, So that's kind of my, my, my mantra is understand, one, reminding myself daily, two, helping others recognize that they can't blame anyone else. It's really up to them. And three, which is that snap that I told you about in terms of self-respect, it ultimately is love. And so if I could lead with love in that way of humanity and that we all show up in our whatever it is that we do, we all have our own map of who we are, then I think that all of a sudden more people are more interesting and I'm less likely to label or judge. I love that. That's so good. A lot of really cool things that you definitely share with our audience today. And I'm, I'm just excited for the amazing content that you give have given. If someone wanted to get connected with you and be like, hey, how can I get to know more information about the 10 laws of, of money? Or how can I become better on managing my money with uh, with my family or with my business, whatever it may be? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yes, uh, wealthlegacyinstitute.com. And also Kim Curtis' uh, YouTube channel has a lot of great short videos on different topics that may be helpful for somebody, uh, depending on what the topic is that they're looking for. And that's Kim Curtis' uh, YouTube. I love that. Is there any last minute notes that you want to leave the audience? Sure. I'll do, I'll, I'll do one. Um, based on every, this conversation that we've just had, this is what I'll say, is that there's no amount of money or rate of return, no amount of rate of return, no amount of money that can create an extraordinary life. Hmm. It's really up to us. No amount of money can create an extraordinary life. I love that. Well, very cool. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for being a guest on today's show today. I really appreciate this and uh, definitely look forward to connecting with you further. And uh, audience out there, we will be posting her links and down in our show notes. So make sure you guys click it, go listen to it, share it with your friends, give us a five-star review if, uh, if you like what you heard and make sure you guys get connected with Kim Curtis. Until next time, simplify. Thank you for listening to the Daily Creed Podcast Show with J.R. Spear.
If you want to get more leads and grow your business, head over to fitprofunnels.com to get your free gift today. That's fitprofunnels.com. And to connect with JR online, check him out on Facebook at jr.spear.3. Or feel free to join the Facebook group at Fit Pro Funnels. And you can also find him on Instagram at jr.spear. 